make you say anything that you don't want to say on the tape recorder. It's just to, to, to say you can, you can feel free to say things that, that you may in fact um, want to close, want to be between us for a specific period of time and not have seen, but want in the record. I know what I'm, you mean. I think that over, I do not, <clears throat> I'm not quite clear. I do believe that I know about Diane and her development in photography. You see, Israel did a lot for her in, in later years. He really developed, he was always in contact with her work and his judgment and his encouragement or his criticism was excellent, I'm absolutely sure. But I do not think that Israel, who is himself a very neurotic and a very, I don't know what kind of man, he's a wonderful guy, really understands what Diane was and can place her right where she was the great artist and where she was psychopathic and where her photography was because he is enthusiastic about anything who is absolutely psychopathic because he feels that it's great art but it isn't. There is a difference between psychopathic, for instance Picasso with all his eccentricity that is not a psychopath, that is a tremendous vital healthy force. It's just the opposite. Mm -hmm. And that Israel does not know that and that I know Diane very closely, like probably in many ways, nobody else. Her concern with me, you can see that if one writes after, and one commits suicide, to only one person. And this person is the person who made it possible for her to do that job, which was, she may have committed suicide 15 years ago, if she wouldn't have had photography. And who, who would have brought her out? And I think that that definitely came through the relationship between her and me. So that's what it is. Well. But people do not understand that. People either reject it because they feel something which is not normal, or they then feel it that is the greatest thing in the world to photograph this way without recognizing what really has been done there. So. Do you think that, that uh, a, a better understanding of what, what those pictures are about and what Barbas, who she was, and what, what she was about will ever come to, to be known? Depends by whom. For instance, I know a great psychiatrist who didn't know Diane and didn't know much about it and just went into a bookshop and opened the book up. And he's a very good amateur photographer herself, himself, and said it's the schizophrenia is all over every picture. Recognize it immediately. But it is a very strange kind of a case. And the interesting thing is in, that I was in perfect harmony with her. 
where everybody was constantly disturbed by it. One is always disturbed by sick people. Especially when they're very elegant, when they're extravagant, when they're absolutely unique. This business was being always unique and unique and unique and unique. The handbag had to be only hers. Photograph somebody would take up something she would never take. She had to be dressed in a way that only she would dress. You see, but this kind of a uniqueness, that's very characteristic too. Kind of compulsive, almost. And half, and half of humanity is so crazy that they don't recognize when something is and when something isn't. But it is not only crazy. Because there's still a tremendous control about whatever she's doing. Yeah. And that's that. Did, did anyone have a, any kind of a, um, complaint about, about your relationship, about the way that you supposedly the daughter. No, you see, when the daughter was 12 years old, the mother was a housewife. She worked with her husband in the same house, you see. And then suddenly came Diane, and suddenly she she didn't want to work anymore with her husband. That was before she came to me. And then suddenly the mother was not anymore with her children. The mother was out with her camera from the morning to the night. She wasn't anymore the mother she was, a little child got very, very disturbed because she put her in a nursery school. She wanted to become a photographer, and the children suffered from that. And this doom, she hates me to the end of her life. And she manifested that. Just because she associates you with, with this development? Well, one day I called up, and, and Diane came to the phone and laughed, and she said, well, Doon had said, here is the woman to whom you, need, you owe everything in your life. The woman to whom you're everything in your life is in the phone, it seems like that. So, so you can see. How old was Doom when Diane first came to you? Twelve. I remember she brought her on the field trip. Yeah. And the little one was three. So pretty young, right? Yeah. Well, well I get out of their way, I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Well, Israel is a very, very interesting man, but very irrational. I mean, he, get, he doesn't get along with anybody. He makes scenes and scenes and, and so forth. But very, very wonderful qualities he has. We have a few other, just one other thing here, Liana, or so, that I'd like to ask. Um, one, well, one kind of short thing that, uh, We've talked about, well, you've talked about uh, how for a long period of time, or most of the time, uh, you didn't you didn't want to exhibit, you didn't want it to be published. Mm. You were not interested in that. Um, I don't want it now either. And I'm wondering, who, who do you feel, in a sense, is the audience? Or is there such a thing as an audience for, for your pictures? For my pictures and any pictures. There are 100,000 people who look from the morning to the night at photograph. I mean, who do you feel, do you have any sense that um, you want to communicate to this audience at all? I've never had a sense of communication whatsoever, and probably there is such a thing, but... That's not what you're interested in? I've never had a feeling that I do something important, that I say something important, that I do something extraordinary, not in the least. I do what I do and what I can, and this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And 
I have done it and maybe I never look at it and there is such a thing as other people wanted to see it and let them see it maybe but that's none, my, none of my business anymore I have no message for that, nothing and understanding for something is sometimes good because your understanding makes maybe somebody else understand it better but that was never in my mind Um, one, one question that interests uh, us, um, and particularly because of the way you came into photography, in a, which is very sudden almost, uh, you might say, um, is that obviously at some point along the line, you began to realize that there were all these other photographers and there was this backlog of photography, maybe not very soon. No, but, very, um, very long. You know, like I noticed Besides, there weren't so many when I was starting. Yeah, I, I wondered kind of how, um, for example, if one is painting, one can have a sense that you're working in an area that has for hundreds of years been a, a, an area where people have worked. Maybe not the same type of work, but nevertheless painting. Um, and photography is such a short-lived phenomena. It's only you know, less than 150 years old, even that. Uh, I wondered at one point, or if you ever, in fact, acquired a sense that you were working in a field where there had been people that preceded you that you discovered at some point in time, and if you kind of, how, you know, how you learned the history of the thing it is you're doing, you know, how did, did that matter to you? Um, how did that come to you? Was it through books, or did you did you make an effort to uh, to learn about it? Uh, the one thing that came to me. The first thing was that I realized that what fascinated me about photography was the instant. Mm -hmm. And that I found absolutely incredible that, is that when I said that photography was the art of the split second that revealed images and aspects of life which are almost unseen to the eye. And that the event of photography brought in a completely new vision, and if today one would take all photographs away, it would be unbelievable how much of new visions would be taken away. They, they came in through photography, which people don't realize. That I felt, mm -hmm. and that it was fascinating to work with this one split session, and very often aspects that I can never see. In other words, photography reveals the seen and the unseen. But for the rest, I must tell you very frankly, I didn't break my head. Mm -hmm. I noticed you have a co an old copy of Beaumont Newhall's History on your shelf back here. Uh, one of the best books I have ever read in my life. One of the which? It's a terrible book. But why do you feel that it's a terrible book? It's very dilettantic. He writes a little bit better about the old photography. When it comes to temp contemporary photography, he doesn't know from nothing. It's completely insensitive. Besides, I've never read books about photography. Well, we have some uh, one last batch of slides um, that we'd like to show you um, that deals with the same question. I think they're right here. That's wonderful that you brought me slides. And there's also number two there. 
Yeah, well, I like to look at slides too. That's, that's half of the fun, in a sense. And these, um, well, let me show show them to you. I have another question about this idea of the audience or in the people who who look at your photographs, um, and how you feel about uh, how you would feel about photographing if you knew, for instance, that. Um, Almost no one was going to see your photographs. And you know, many Does that make people, any difference? Yeah. Many people said to me, you see, the trouble with me is that I work and then I put my photographs in a drawer. And by putting them all the time in a drawer, I get terribly discouraged. I would never get discouraged by putting them in a drawer. You know, a couple of weeks before my husband died, we walked in the street. And he looked around and he was fascinated by some aspect of houses and lights. And he said, painting is really a way of knowing oneself and the rest of the world better. In other words, one grows. And that's all there is to it. And by growing, well, then you are more helpful and of more value to society, no doubt about it. But this is what I feel it is. And this situation with being seen and shown and, and criticized and appreciated and all that, that is already a great distortion. That I have the feeling that the destination of art is not at all in all this kind of situation. I think that things are done to be seen and to be heard. And writes a piece of music is to be heard. And maybe I have what this complete uh, indifference of man is. If one sees my photographs, if one doesn't see my photographs, if one knows my photographs, if one doesn't know, that I cannot explain myself. I don't know what the hell that is. And believe me, I had very good experiences because I was always praised and praised and praised and great write-ups and this and that. I was never disappointed. And it didn't make the slightest impression. Now you tell me why. I don't know. And I suppose the, the, the most idealistic view of... I was what one calls extremely successful from yeah, the we, beginning. Of all the things that we could find, and I suppose we have the, the biggest collection of, of anyone, of, of things written about your work, about you, um, the only thing we found that was critical in the sense of being Negative. Being negative was that thing by John Knight. That crazy thing yeah, about Adam the, the Flash. Yeah, that was all. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So I never had a bad experience. One cannot say that I'm bitter about something. Not about that. Yeah. No, I do not know that exactly. I really don't. I see this may be the reason, that may be the reason, but I really don't know. And I have the feeling that I put a stop to it by having the feeling that, first of all. Now I can survive by selling photographs, which is, of course, I have to work to the end of my life, you know? And teaching is not going to be as much in fashion as it, going, as it is now. You don't have any kind of uh, retirement plan or anything? Oh, nothing. I never think about the next day. No see? such thing? Social Security or nothing? Social Security. I have a little bit, $230. What's that? And so I say to myself, the time has now come to be a little bit more open with it, not to wait until they have very good new things, to make a little bit money with it, that I can work 
this money will help me to be independent and to work. Yeah, and that is a way I don't say no all the time. In reality, I say no as before. I don't have any pleasure to show six photographs as a Marlboro gallery. What do, I, what do I care if they hang there or if they don't hang there? I don't care. It's just to help you keep working. Yes, to help to keep me working and to find new things and to photograph new things, which I want to do, and to have a kind of a life where I don't starve to death. Simple. Yeah, very simple. Is it possible that, that uh, I guess, the, the, the most idealistic view of, of showing photographs or publishing them is that, that in the same sense that, that photographing and looking at your own photographs helps you to know yourself and to know the world. Not, all, not, by looking at my else. photographs, nothing helps me anymore. Once they are done, they are done, and I... It's the act I, of photographing. It's, just, it's not any, practically doesn't exist anymore. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you, um, do you get any sense of that, that growing, that learning about yourself from from viewing anyone else's art. Oh yes. Okay. So the the, so so the act of, of their showing art does oh, in yes. fact help oh, you. Oh definitely. To see an exhibition like Everett's exhibition with that kind of an honesty, sincerity and intelligence and awareness of what goes on in this world through her buildings, through her people, through science and so forth, is an inspiration to do one's own work. Is to do one's own work. To see an exhibition of Matisse, where the, the colors are overwhelming, wants you to run and take some paint and paint. And that lousy exhibition makes you stop doing that. So, so do you ever have the feeling, when did you ever, when you showed that, that this was a thing that you might possibly contribute to even just one or two people who were... About my own things, I am... I don't know. You don't think that maybe that, that you have the same thing to offer to someone that Matisse has to offer to you? You see, I was told, but I know about my photographs, what I was told about them. On the other hand, when I see certain of my photographs, I feel that there is a directness and a certain strength and power in them, and certainly they are not dishonest. And, but I think also what has disgusted me all my life is that I had to exhibit when others wanted me to exhibit, like it happens now. And never to wait until comes a moment where one says, ah, now I have maybe done something which should be seen because maybe interesting to other people too. It was never that way. It was always a forced kind of a situation. Or maybe I never would like to put it. I, I, have not, I haven't got the answer to that. I have the feeling, with Diane, for instance, she never admitted when she was asked why does she photograph freaks and dwarfs and all these people. She would say, because they are born with a trauma and they are aristocrats and we run away from traumas and we don't want to suffer and they are aristocrats. Already. That was a lie. That was an excuse. She did not know the real reason why she wanted to, why she photographed these things. She, she didn't want to know that. And I have the feeling that I do not know the answer. I have, I think I'm, I'm blind in that. I do not know what, I really don't know what it is. Well, let me show you some slides. The, um, 
these are all different kinds of pictures, and such as this one, which you probably have seen. No. No? no. Well, that's my first question about all these is, have you ever seen it? No. Um, if you have or haven't seen it, I'm also interested, kind of does it, does the possibility of it excite you? These are all 19th century photographs. These are all old the, photographs. For this first set. This bunch here. And um, this is actually Nisa Bornieps. Um, it's supposed to be the first photograph. Uh, as far as existence. anyone can tell. Still in existence. It's interesting. It looks almost like an abstract photograph. <laughs> but only because of the quality of the grain of that. Yeah, it's actually a pewter plate. It's a very uh, unique kind of a process. Slightly retouched by Helmut Grinshine. Yeah, by Grinshine, we found it. Um, this is Paris? Yeah, that's marvelous. This one I have seen. Let me put it a little closer to you. It's absolutely marvelous. It's there is a man whose shoes are shine. Do you see that? Right. And I had a student who took that out and make a poster like that. Oh, that Pro photograph? It's like Sixth the first man ever photographed, probably. This is Daguerre, you know. It's a well, I think this is absolutely beautiful. The old photographs have something new photographs don't have. Yeah, there's really a quality about this that's uh, amazing. It, yeah, it's really, it's almost a, uh, I don't know, it's just a knockout. This is uh, Hippolyte Bayard, who was one of the other inventors of photography. A self-portrait. Yes. As if he were drowned. <laughs> this is a photograph on paper, originally. Another early daguerreotype. You know how people were serious when they got photographed, and how they didn't glamorize themselves, and how they would sit and be themselves, and let sink themselves in what they really are. Yeah. Today nobody is posing like that. Couldn't possibly. She had to pose for three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That one I know. That's an old one. Yeah. This is Fox Talbot. He was a fantastic artist and scientist. Another kind of Renaissance man, person, uh, yeah, mathematician. Yeah, much more important than Daguerre. Much more. Yeah, the daguerreotype is beautiful, but it didn't go anywhere. Kind of. It's whereas this, of course, gave us negative and positive. Here's a kind of a funny example. Who the hell is that? It's actually Stephen Douglas, who was an orator who debated Lincoln. Really? But a politician, you know. But I love yeah. this frame. <laughs> Also, some posture in all of that. He was very short, too, and he's trying to maybe look taller. <laughs> this is some of these slides are very bad. This one's not very good, but this That's is a wonderful. yeah. This is a man with a child that's just died. That's being photographed. It was the only record, you know, of the child, of course. Uh, they had. See, that's unbelievable. The tenderness of this father. Yeah, the way he's holding the hand. Sort of. Unbelievable, why they photographed that. Was that done in Europe very much? What? Photographing of dead people in the, in the coffin? Yes, they do that in Europe. Don't they do it here? Well, Some, I, I have a friend who's, uh, um, who's older, and she, uh, she uh, worked in her father's studio uh, in a mining town in northwestern Pennsylvania, and she did it all the time, you know, and I had never heard of this. I said, what is that? Yeah, it seems kind of wild. A little maudlin, actually, but 
Oh, they do it in Europe all the time. There's no doubt yeah, about it. Photographers of people when they are dead. And you know, Weston did this. Weston did the Mexican family. But they don't mix them up, like here. Yeah. yeah. So the, when I saw that here, I was absolutely shocked. I said to myself, now that's ridiculous. They, they are not even capable to see a dead person without makeup. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very moving. This is uh, Dio Hill, Hill and Adamson, Calotype. What's Very, a calotype, really? It's well, the process that Talbot invented, basically, okay, on paper. paper How did he do that? He put a piece of paper in the camera? It's a paper negative and a paper print, yeah. This is very early. This is from 1848, Much more beautiful than photographs today. Why do you think that's true? I mean, I, I agree with you, but... Maybe we are sick and tired of the paper we have and of all this kind of reproduction. It's high time it gets out. Yeah, that is also very beautiful. That is this guy who went on a trip, yeah. Flaubert and, and the other one. Yeah, Flaubert and, and uh, I don't know his Maxime name. Duchamp. Yes. Actually, this is, this is Francis Frith who went visited the same place just a year later. This is not uh, Maxi, but you're right, Maxi yeah. Ducamp made a picture very similar. I mean, in fact, they, from the same spot. They each other's uh, footsteps a lot. <laughs> well, there's, no, there's a limited number of places to stand with a large camera around this can monument. I can't imagine. <laughs> it's one of the secrets. And then, this is this is another frith. This is huge. One, one of my favorite photographs of this all time. That is one of the most beautiful. Who made that? Francis Frith on the same trip to the Near East. Where did you find all that? These are all just historical slides that I've collected in teaching the history of photography. Would you do that? I, I have done that, and um, I think they're fascinating. Absolutely. Now, would you, I mean, had you ever known much about these people, or just you wouldn't you would learn, but you would never bother to make an effort to learn? Is that, is that would be right? About what? About some of these older photographers. About the photographers or about the pictures? Either. Well, that's a good question either, yeah. You see, the, the pictures overwhelm me. But 10 years ago, I would have found them very boring. Or 50. I wouldn't have understood them. Hmm. And only now does that open up to me that an incredibly beautiful thing. But in a long time. Yeah. But I don't really give them who made them. And I have the feeling that before the Greeks, nobody knew what was done. Uh, or who did it. Who yeah. did anything. Yeah. And then came the Greeks and everything became a personal kind of a thing. And yeah. I, don't, I don't believe that this is very important. Yeah. Who did it? Who, who did it? Who so what? Yeah. Yeah, this is a French thing from the middle of the 19th century. That is also fantastic. Where the hell is that? Yeah, this is Paris. This is Charles Negre. Or Negre. Wherever I see a Negre, it's a mouth. It's always in profile. Everything of Negre is in profile. Hmm. He was a wonderful photographer. Yeah, very little is known about him, really, but uh, amazing pictures. Amazing pictures. Look at that. This is from the Crimean War. In yeah. fact, this is this is a very curious photograph because this is the you've heard the poem, um, perhaps you know about the charge of the light brigade into the valley of the shadow of death, rode the 500, or so the poem goes. Now that here is, that here is inside here. <laughs> and um, these are cannonballs, actually. What? All those little lumps are cannonballs, or yeah. a lot of them are. 
this is the, their cannon shell fragments. This is where a British cavalry troop charged and was just decimated during the Crimean War. And yet this photograph is so peaceful almost, you know. Absolutely. It's, it's very curious. The universe doesn't give a damn. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good caption for this photograph. <laughs> 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 I, I'll remember that. I'll remember. And of course, this, uh, this is in backwards, I'm afraid, but this is a famous civil war. But you know, for instance, if Ansel Adams photographs a scene like that, it's horrible. Yeah. And look, look at how expressive that is. Yeah, there's some evidence to support the claim that this photograph actually was posed by the photographer, actually moved this body to another location and put it there, which is uh, kind of amazing. I didn't even see that body, for God's sake. What is this, uh, this slide is a little dark there, but it's a, it's it's often given a sharpshooter or anything. It's given the title uh, "Home of the Rebel Sharpshooter," you know, a sort of a modern 19th century title. Postcard. And this rifle here, and people have commented the rifle looked too good to be true. Here's another Civil War photo. Really. Of course, these were not very popular at the time. People didn't want to see it. Yeah, I don't blame them. It must have yes. been. It must have been really uh, interesting to have seen these. I mean, we've seen so many images of war that we've almost become visually uh, callous to them. You know, television and Vietnam and the whole thing. Um, but seeing that kind of photograph for the first time must have been really pretty, pretty astounding. Very, very hard to take. Yeah. Thank you. Some photographs. This one's coming it's out of the room. Very beautiful. This is uh, the entrance to Canyon de Chez out west in uh, Arizona. Mm -hmm. If you take it with a Rolex and with a Leica, it's just nothing. If you take it with a big camera and Ansel Adams comes out. Yeah. They had other types of film and of, I don't know why. This that's is also extraordinary. This is Yellowstone Park, of course. Who's this guy who stands on this tree? This, this guy is, was a, a, a draftsman, an artist, who was with this expedition. The photographs by Jackson, who was the photographer in this band. I forget what his name was, Thomas something or other. Here's another, another Jackson also. Do you know if there is anything that's objective photographs? These are objective photographs, but they have a universal quality. There's nothing personal, individual. There is nothing of the ego in these photographs, which is in all these modern photographs. There's another. This is a kind of a setup thing from a little later in the century, the British. Uh, it's hard to decide whether this is a very objective or a... Oh, sure, the light is terrific. Or whether it's a, an attempt to start making an artistic thing, imitating some yes, painting. Yes, there is something there, which already is there. Or both, really. You know. Well, that is done by... By whom is that done? Karja. Huh? Karja. You're thinking of Nadar? Nadar? No, this, that's, I, this is actually... I always think that, too. This is, this is Nadar's contemporary, Karja. Is it not Baudelaire? It's Baudelaire, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Unmistakably Baudelaire. He was a pessimist, damn it. <laughs> can you see what a neurotic that was? I can see the pessimist. Very dis desperate kind of way. How did he die? Did he commit suicide? 
I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't know Baudelaire's life. This is Sir John Herschel in the picture. This is Julia Margaret Cameron photograph. He's not my hero, he's the inventor of hypo. Yes, the inventor of hypo. We owe him all a great deal. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Renaissance men, he was quite astounding. Translated the Iliad, plotted the transit of Venus. Look at his nose. Double stars. And how he puts a light on it in order, she, in order to make his nose into ten times bigger. <laughs> and I have another Cameron, very different uh, study, yeah. so-called pre-Raphaelite study, you know, yeah. all her painter friends were, were doing. And these pictures are a little bit on the sentimental side. Yeah. Yeah, hers always That's uh, wonderful. sort of walked that line. Is that, is that uh, taken by this guy whose name is Carol? Yeah, yeah, Louis Carroll. Absolutely. This is Alice, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderful. It, it, the print that is, is Alice. Yeah, this and is Alice a, in Wonderland. This is his friend, little friend Alice. It's absolutely beautiful. And the print of this, you know, is very, very soft. I mean, it's very, it's almost. This slide has more contrast than the print. It's amazing. It's very, very soft. soft. Did, you, did you read that when you were a child? Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. No, I never have read it until today. Oh really? No. And I'm sure that I love it by what I've heard. <laughs> Must buy myself that. Yeah. That is one of these genre portraits, you see. Yeah, this is by Robinson with its six different negatives all put together. Really? Because you couldn't photograph against this kind of light with the equipment at that day. But he was pretty good. He was good at putting them together. Yeah. yeah the girl dying of TB. Yeah, right. It's this <laughs> sort of almost allegorical scene. And then, of course, this man who put things together like mad. Yeah. This great allegory of good and evil here. Called the two ways of life. <laughs> this imitation of painting, of course. Yeah. 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 Twenty-seven negatives or something. Something yeah. like that. It's taped them together. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. This is a commercial portrait of an actor, yeah. an American uh, actor. Very alive. In his role, you know, playing in his costume. Uh, the Rip Van Winkle or something. And this is a typical of a lot of kind of genre photographs. The Broken Saucer is the title of this. Subtitled Benton's That is beautiful. Emerson. Yeah, that's a wonderful photograph. Yeah, these, these things are just so... I would call them photographic. Or, Mybridge, you see in English? Yeah, how did you say it? Moybridge? I said Moybridge, it's probably that's, that's close to he, he pronounced it, I think, three ways himself. <laughs> yeah, he sure. spelled his name differently at different times. His original name was Muggeridge. Oh, really? And he tried to change it back to what he thought was the Celtic original name. You know, when he spelled his name, instead of being just Edward, he had extra letters. It was looked like Edward, you know. It's very is curious. It, but does one see in English Mybridge or Moybridge? Mybridge is usually how yeah. it's said, but Moybridge is not wrong. Yeah. And this is... Oh, that's a funny one. This They're is just... The water? This is an anonymous Kodak bullseye snapshot. This was the first Kodak or third Kodak camera. It's beautiful. And nice. no one knows who did this. It's, it's beautiful what kind of types they are. Absolutely They're well. completely dressed. 
Yeah. <laughs> the one. It's the bathing garment. To the, to the neck. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, well prop, very proper. Don't want to be immodest, you know. This is only 1880. <laughs> and, uh, 1880, my dear, it's not so long. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is, of course, it's kind of the beginning of the snapshot in the true sense. Let me pop these other ones in there. It's a beautiful collection you have here. I thought you might enjoy it. It's interesting. And this is really almost the same time, just going on a little bit. That, that photograph I know. This is Jacob Rees. Yeah, this is the Lower East Side. Rees is a marvelous This is one of those photographers who never wanted to be a photographer. Mm -hmm. No idea. Right, was a social reporter, really. Cool. Sociologist, even. And Flash, of course. And flash powder, actually. Absolutely. That's marvelous. Frederick Evans. This is Evans. Yeah, this is a fairly nice slide to it. It's a little bit of a color. This great cathedral. This is just. The, I might have found a better slide. This is a gum print. It was originally to be a cigarette poster. You know, the photograph to be used yeah. as a poster by a uh, Damaki, French. Uh, Damaki. Damaki. You may have seen the recent exhibit. Yes. I didn't see it, but I, I found it excellent. I didn't see the exhibition. Paul Katz showed me a couple of photographs, and immediately Avedon and Tchaikovsky said it's no good. I think he's marvelous. Yeah. I like him much better than Madrid. And all kinds of colors and things too. Yeah. Very this is a very tame one, actually. Yeah. That is a very romantic one. Yeah, this is Clarence White. Yeah. This is Southern Ohio, where we both went to school, where he started photographing. Really? That's where this was made, yeah. This is a, yeah, a lot of lot of atmosphere down there. Very, there actually is this kind of water vapor in the air, and it is very misty. Uh, like this. Yeah, very romantic, kind of a Japanese tree almost. And that is this woman, no? Yeah, like, Gertrude uh, Casey. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting one. Well, that I can, one cannot deny that this is a marvelous book. Yeah, whatever the true reason he may give for having taken it. You know that one thing that always is of course galling about this photograph is you, he made it, of course, on the boat going to Europe. Oh, he did? You always see it represented as people coming to this yes, country. Yes, that's right. That's, but that's always wrong. Why do these people all go to Europe? They're going back. Uh, they didn't like it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. not everyone did. Leaving, leaving the promised land. Or maybe they're just visiting or going back to fetch relatives or something. Who knows? But um, endlessly, it's used in exhibitions to represent the other. And Definitely so. But it has the possibility to be looked at that way. That's maybe its curse or its genius. It's very beautiful. And that is a cosmos high. Yeah. And he also has this incredible simplicity. Yeah. And I was thinking of Hein when you were talking of Marion Pelfi. About yeah. a sociologist and uh, having yeah, their causes. There is much more passion in there and much more, I don't know what. But in Marianne's. Hein is perhaps a little more dry, a little yeah. reporter type. Well, that is Paul Strand. That's what he showed me when I looked at this 150,000 pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very beautiful thing. Yeah, it is a nice picture. <laughs> Is that Stiglitz? This is Stiglitz again, that one of the, uh, one of the equivalents. I must say it's quite good. 
That's quite good. Did you ever find that idea of the equivalent uh, made any sense? Well, it's a very menacing kind of a, you know, a stone and a kind of an upheaval and a kind of all that. Is, is, is there? Yeah. What is? A kind of a mood or a kind of whatever. Well, I'm going to just defeat the machine again. Actually, they made a whole batch of it that all had these little holes in it. You didn't spot it. No, no, the film that this slide is made on has the holes right in the film, right in, right in the motion. Whether you want them or not, you get them. Did you ever, did you ever see, did you ever meet her at the Vita of Beaumont? Yeah. Inside, you find people. That's the first time. 
reload it. You step down. Yeah, step down. This is an early Walker Evans. How much 30 is now? 30 is a question. That's talking about documentary, the word itself. Really? That's where Cartes lives?
Yeah, I would think he might have been a person that got in somewhere along the line. Yeah. Because he was in his about house. Okay, that's good. I think this is a good thing that we returned. I have another one. I don't like that either. Perhaps I'm a sucker for a picture of a young girl. Well, but. It's simple. It's direct. No, it isn't direct. No? It is very, very sophisticated. picture at all, but, you know, West was sort of arch enemy in California was Mortensen, William Mortensen, who did all these acted things. This is a called, titled The Rope Dance. He's not really doing it. No, she's lying on the ground, and then it's been retouched and retouched and retouched, and uh, I thought it was kind of an interesting. I think it's quite interesting, just a glamorous kind of thing. Yes, exactly. And, and you know, he also did, uh, are you familiar with this work at all? Yeah. Well, he did a book that I should send you a copy of. It's called Monsters and Madonnas. Would like and, to see them. And he did things like he did scenes like from witchcraft and scenes of mythical characters, and he concocted things that are really overdone things. This is very mild compared. It's very nice. <laughs> you might uh, really, really enjoy looking at it. This is one of Ansel's other really? things. It's not too bad. Yeah, it's very different it's than a lot of this work. I like it. It doesn't take in a huge view, kind of thing. But it's also very well. We talked about color photography. This is the, the only color photograph I have here of Elliot Porter. Elliot Porter Elliot Porter, I mean, with the animals. It's animals. The birds. The birds. almost entirely on color. That's very good. Yeah, this has a real beautiful spiral in here, too. little people in the room. It was the best. Yeah, he did these very long exposures where you can see the trees wilting almost in front of your eyes. Yeah. He just died uh, about two years ago, a year ago. Yeah. That's, that's not one of his best. One of his first things from Martha's Vineyard, uh, you know, when he first was... Yeah. 
Or do you think the things are just a wall? This is summer. This is Paul Caponegro, of course, was one of Minor's main students. And this is his bust I like a little better, I guess. Really. That's kind of lyrical, I think. And this is Arnold Newman, or his photograph. I mean. This is actually Max Ernst. Did you ever meet Max Ernst in Paris? No. Oh, 
is also fairly early. This is yours. Yeah, this is uh, from about 63. Do, do you, I mean, do, does this seem to you like a legitimate way of working what he does when he combines all of things? Does that bother you? I, no, you see, I have the feeling that he works in a surrealistic way, but he really never understood surrealism. Mm. That he, he doesn't get anywhere. But he, I think he gets better. And yeah. It's too bad because such a nice and honest man. Very, very friendly guy. Yeah. Wonderful guy, but what kind of things he puts together, and I have the feeling he just doesn't know what he's doing. I feel like his later things are more integrated. Yeah. These are like really still fragments put together, just you know, clamped together, sort of. But then all these things he puts together, I have the feeling they don't make sense. Also, from the point of view of surrealism, they don't make sense. This is not a surrealist by nature. He doesn't have the sensitivity of a surrealist. Mm -hmm. Just as adapted this kind of a way of working, and he got into it, into it. But the surrealist is, for instance, like McLaughlin. You know, the, the guy from New Orleans? Oh, Clarence John Laughlin. Well, this guy is a, is a surrealist, whatever he photographs. Yeah. Photographs a chair, photographs a window, a tree. Surrealist. That is nature. Yeah, he's someone we'd like to talk to. Oh, yeah. get him to, uh, Why not? He was was awfully nice with me. He called me up every day when he was here. Really? He wanted to have my photographs. Mm. Now this is uh, this is by a man named Otto Steiner. A uh, German? Uh, yeah, he taught uh, in Germany. Uh, yes, I know. You know? I don't know. He was here. He published a magazine. He published a lot of my photographs. Maybe two, three, four. Times. Really? What magazine was this he published? What city was he living in? Um, Stuttgart, maybe? No. Well, I had I had put in pieces a magazine to show different pictures, but they had a magazine that size of experimental photography. <coughs> like a catalog, almost? No. A little magazine like that. I may find it one day. Okay, don't then throw he it out. Came, <laughs> no, I, I probably have already. <laughs> but uh, he came here and he had a long talk with me, and then he said to Grace Mayer, well, wouldn't one believe that a woman can talk like that? Huh. You know, it's not incredible. Not very incredible, I'm afraid, but not too wonderful. This is another New Yorker, or adopted New Yorker. We haven't talked about it at all. You mentioned him, Robert Frank, but... Robert Frank. I guess when that book came out, there was a very critical reaction to him, as he was being negative and anti-American and all kinds of things. He problems. was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> negative, yes. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the word anti-American means, actually, in a strict sense. Well, he was critical. Yeah, it's a good, 50s, but uh, it's a very good book. Criti criticality was anti-American. Yeah, I think, yeah. He was in a mouthful there. Here, that's a sign. I was going to, I have some friends in Vienna, and I was going to, to suggest to them if they were interested sometime, to uh, to look for your birth certificate, to look for some birth records, because they probably exist, they're probably public records, you know. What Bernice's you did, I found Bernice's in, in Springfield, Ohio. But what the hell do you need my birth certificate? I have it here. Well, just from the standpoint, well, I, I if you have it here, I don't need it, I don't need it there, but I was just, um, from the standpoint of being thorough historically, you know, uh, to verify things. And what I, what I was saying is, I imagine, Imagine my shock if you hadn't told us, and I asked these friends, and they send it back and say, oh, well, we found it, but you were wrong about the year, and I'd say, how can I do that? Don't, don't even ever write to ask people to go to Vienna and ask for my birth certificate. I don't think that this is right. 
This is none of your business. Well, we, cer we certainly would ask you, you know, before we did it. Um, the thing is that what difference does it make that Krishna Buddha is born in 1998 or in 1895 or in 1900? He doesn't know it himself. My husband doesn't know when he's born. Simply the records are false and so forth. So what difference does that make about this man who is a painter? I don't think it makes any difference. That's why I would just assume put the correct thing. I don't think it matters. Particularly uh, anymore, um, I mean, with, with people like Imogen Cunningham, who, uh, you know, was perfectly vital and lucid uh, right, right at 90, I don't, you know, I think more and more people are beginning to realize that this, this bias against, yeah, against age well, definitely. is, is uh, and irrational. And I, I'd still, like to fight that. And still, if for instance, I want to get a workshop, and uh, people in the Arts Institute said that these teachers over there, they have all kinds of, it's very simple. They are not interested in that, but they know that they are not going to get a job if they are 70 and over 70 or 75. It makes a difference. Well, I think, you, I think maybe over 70 is true, but you're already over 70 by the other dates. I mean, it's a... But still make a difference. Yeah. You have no idea. Every day and every year makes a difference for these idiots, and I don't want it. Yeah. You're going to harm me in making a living. You don't know what an ass Tchaikovsky is. Well... I mean, if you uh, let's put it this way, it's it's not going to. I don't I don't believe it would influence your ability to sell prints. People who buy your prints don't care if you're five years older or ten years older or five years younger. They, they if they want the print, they want the print. You know, that's really what that is about. I am um, telling you that knowing the mentality as I know it, and you do not know what kind of jobs and you get or not get, and that goes true. for schools, and that goes for this, and that goes for that that I do not want to be five years older because it is going to be harmful for me. And I do not want uh, the creative center or another center. They have not even asked how old I am, mm -hmm. but I would always give the date of 1906. This is my photographic age. The museum said it, and I let it go. Mm -hmm. And I do not want that to be propagated. I'm telling okay. you that. Okay, all right. All right. We will, we'll is that understood? Yes. Yes, yes ma'am. We will put that back to 1906. Um, what does that have, what does that have to do with the, with the center of the well they they knew uh, that we were going to be talking to you and they said gee there's almost nothing uh, about her there's these crazy things like that aviation photography thing and what the hell does that mean and they said if you could um, send a few things that would that would correct those errors and it would supply a little more information they would like it because they want to they're going to publish this chronology just a little thing you know and so but then what are you going to tell them? Well, this is what I'm. This is why I want this. I'm going to. Um, we'll, we'll change this back to 100 mm -hmm. to 1906. My question was: Is are the other things on that page okay as they are? Yeah, but I don't think it's very interesting for them. Well, that's for them to decide. But yeah. I mean, is it okay for you, with you? We don't want to father Victor Savage, a wealthy physician. This is not correct. He was a.